He is Jehovah Yuri, Yahweh Yuri, the Lord who sees and provides. Before you even ask your request, he's already aware of and has already taken steps in the past to provide for everything that you need. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You can, you can write a check on heaven's bank account and you never have to worry about getting an NSF. I'm sure there's one or two people here in the room that knows what that feels like. I do. I, I do have had that happen. And I'm thankful that there's an abundant supply. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it, what? More abundantly. The NIV says to the fullest. Praise God. I, I wish that the days were back that we didn't have to uh, separate and we could shake hands and hug and all of that. But just kind of jokingly, I want you to just kind of give somebody a virtual hug right now. Just, <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but wave at somebody. Tell them, hey, I love you over there. All right, and then you may be seated this morning. I love you guys out there. We're in this series called Endure. It's the Greek word hupomone. If you've ever seen my big fat Greek wedding or you've possibly even had the, the privilege and the joy of attending a Greek wedding, they dance in circles and everybody hollers, opa. Well, uh, this to me sounds like something you would say or shout uh, in that kind of a celebration. And so hupomone is a Greek word which means to, to remain under, to not shirk the responsibility, to follow through in your commitment to completion, to finishing something. We began the series talking about enduring in faith. Jesus had a faith that endured. We continued it last Sunday with enduring in suffering. And then this morning, this is the third message in the series called Enduring in, or Enduring Temptation. Next Sunday, I will close this message out of Galatians 6, 9 on Endure the Process. And so looking forward to bringing some principles, some kingdom principles from the scripture. One thing that I learned under a very powerful ministry that mentored me for a number of years. Dr. Kelly Varner said, when you sow a Bible principle, you reap a Bible result. Say that with me. When you sow a Bible principle, you reap a Bible result. And so this morning we want to speak to an area that the scripture deals with where we need some endurance because everyone in the room is a human. I don't think we're being visited by any aliens this morning, uh, but everyone is human and with your humanity comes the possibility of temptation. Temptation to not follow through. All temptation is not necessarily uh, to lead to the result of sin because it, it may actually be temptation to uh, not continue in a project or a goal that you might have had. And that's not a moral or immoral question. Uh, however, it's still very much temptation. Um, when I lost my wife, I was tempted to quit. And let me say that had I, I believe that it would have been sin for me. Sin has been uh, religiousized in the Bible Belt South to be something beyond what scripture teaches. Sin is very simply the transgression of the law of God. 
Um, sin is an, a sporting term, the way, very same way that when something is, when a player is offline on the line of scrimmage in football and they get a flag and they have a five-yard penalty or a 15-yard penalty, you use the word penalty. In tennis, when someone doesn't get the ball across the net or it lands outside the lines, it's called a fault. That's interesting because it's our faults that have penalized us, that have given us the penalty. Sin is an archery term. Scripture says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it's the picture of a bullseye and the arrow is not straight. The arrow is bent. And so when the archer pulls it back in the tension of the string, then the arrow veers off to the right. Maybe we might say it the way a golfer talks about he slices the ball or it just you know, goes way off. Um, and so sin is any time we we aim for, but yet we miss the mark. And the scripture says in, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned and have missed the mark of the high calling. We've missed the mark that is in Christ Jesus. We've missed the mark. We've not hit the target. Okay? And so we deal with sin in our nature. I, as a Bible teacher, believe in the Bible doctrine of original sin. You didn't choose this. You were born this way. We were all born this way. We were born in sin, the scripture says. You don't have to teach your child how to lie. Just have another baby. When, the, when your toddler is 15 months old and he pops the baby on the head and then looks at you and says, I didn't do that. There's a sin nature in all of us from birth that we want to cover all of our assets, so to speak, and we want to make sure that we don't get in any trouble. Can I have an amen? So sin is missing the mark. Um, today we want to talk about temptation for a few moments. Our series text is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 only today. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with hupomone, with endurance, the race that God has set before us. Now, I wish I had time to hit this thought, but my race is not your race. Your race is not his race or her race. Now, there's a general sense of the word that we're all running for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We're not running to get a reward in the sense of being able to get into heaven. Heaven is my home right now. I'm a citizen of heaven while I'm living in a colony called earth. And therefore, my citizenship, Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says our citizenship is in heaven Therefore, I am governed by the laws of my citizenship. I have a heavenly home. I am not trying to run my race so that I can earn my home. My, heart, my home is a free gift. Eternal life is a free gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm a gospel preacher if you're a guest this morning. If you're tuning in, if you're logging in, to use the correct computer term. Thank you for those of you that are watching from home on your phones, your various devices. Maybe you're propped up in your pajamas this morning and you're watching it in bed. I just want to say that I probably have a little bit of envy today where of your position, those of you that are uh, worshiping at home. Uh, we, we welcome you today. We honor the Lord Jesus Christ. We are continuing to endure through this current crisis uh, of, of these corona times. 
And I just, I'm telling you that God is in control. God is still good all the time. Somebody say amen. We have a race and we must run it with hupomone, with endurance. One thing, it's a little teaching mechanism that I use that is repeated on purpose. That is so that once you finish this message, whether by viewing online or you're sitting in the service live this morning, if you don't get anything else from what I've said, I want to be sure that you get this one thing. This is a one really a a big one-point message, and it's all built out around this idea. The one thing is this. I am vulnerable, and Satan is deceitful, but God is faithful. Say that with me. I am vulnerable, and Satan is deceitful, but God is faithful. Everybody seems a little subdued this morning. I don't know if you stayed out too late last night or whatever, but I, I want you, if you would, just maybe... Punch your neighbor or those that you're sitting in your family grouping next to you and go, come on, let's get some life in this. Say it right now. Come on, let's get some life in this. Let's wake up. It was so wonderful today to hear little Nicole Blankenship sing about God and oceans and how he would lead us by his spirit. Was that not amazing today? Come on, give, give Nicole a hand. We love Clint and Lauren and Vincent as well. Vincent and Nicole are both piano students of mine. And uh, there was just an area of godly pride that I felt this morning today when that little girl stood up here. We believe in grabbing them when they're young and teaching them to be worshipers and advancing and helping them stretch and grow their talents so that in the house of the Lord they grow up to become champions. Come on, somebody say amen. So, with, with life in it said this time, come on, everybody, like you mean it, I am vulnerable and Satan is deceitful, but God is faithful. So the deciding phrase in that is the last one. Now, maybe you don't want to say you're vulnerable, and I, I want to show you today from Scripture that we are, because we can lean in either direction. Satan is deceitful. He has a power. He's not all-powerful. First of all, Satan is not omni-anything. Only God is omni God is omnipresent everywhere at all times in the fullness of his presence. God is omniscient. He knows all things at all times. And he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Satan is not omni-anything, but he does have some, some schemes. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Greek word metaschematizo, scheme. You see the word scheme in it. And we are aware of Satan's schemes. And his primary scheme is deception. I am vulnerable, Satan is deceitful, but God is faithful. Put up the, 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 the Greek word one more time as we review quickly today. Hupomone, everybody say that. Hupomone. Hupomone means to remain or to abide under. That's the picture of a, a draft animal that's pulling a great load, and it doesn't just shake it off and go on, but it, it pulls it to the, to the finish. It completes the work, finishes the job. Three points quickly this morning. We're going to be dedicating two beautiful babies at the close of the service. I'm excited about that. This is point number one. The struggle is real, but God is faithful. Say that with me. The struggle is real, but God is faithful. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13 from the New Living Translation. The Bible says, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. Now, this is one of multitudes of passages that will validate my claim when I said, I am vulnerable. You think you got your act together? Well, good for you, hotshot. But you need to watch it. Be careful, lest you fall. 
King James says, take heed lest you fall. Nobody talks that way anymore. That's why we don't use... I love the beauty. I grew up and can quote two-thirds of the, of the King James Version of the Bible. But I realized years ago when it took me 20 minutes of my message to explain what quit ye like men means, it means that get up and act like a man, when you have to take all this time explaining 300-year-old, 400-year-old Elizabethan words, then it's better to grab a translation that you can understand. Somebody said, which version do you use? Well, the one that helps me the most. That's the one that I can understand what God's trying to say. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Look at verse 13. The temptations. Greek word means the proving of one's integrity. The temptations in your life are no different. Everybody say no different. No different from what others experience. And God is faithful. That's my bottom line point in our one thing. Everybody say God is faithful. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, everybody say when. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can hoopamone, so that you can endure. The King James says that he will provide a way through, okay, Temptation doesn't mean that God just snatches you from the circumstances, but it means that he gives you strength as you go through it. Now, there are th certain things that you need to get out of there. Scripture clearly says flee fornication. Flee youthful lusts. Paul wrote to Timothy. There, there are places that we just don't need to put ourselves into because we are humans. We, are, we have what the Scripture refers to as desires. We have needs. We have we need sleep. We need food. And I, I know that you're going to probably just almost bolt when I, hear, when I say this, but in the right expression, your body needs sex. Oh my God, are we in church and he just said that? It's a need that's built into you biologically. It's Sex is not a bad thing. Sex is God's idea. And the rest of this message is not only about sexual things or immoral things, because temptation is a much broader thing than any of that. 1 John chapter 2 tells us, and this is not in my text this morning, but it tells us that the ways that we are drawn and lured are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. When I was in Bible school, they referred to that as the girls, the gold, and the glory. Now, you make it appropriate, guys, gold, and glory, girls, gold, and glory, whatever. It was Dr. Adrian Rogers years ago when I heard him preach this. He, he classified it with three Ps, passion. And that doesn't just have to be sexual. You can be passionate about your boat. Passion, possession, and position. Glorying in your power, glorying in your stuff, materialism, glorying in physical pleasure. And God made us. He created our bodies for a purpose. This is one thing that absolutely uh, stymies evolutionary scientists, biological Darwinism. Why would God, I, I mean, we all need to eat to be sustained in terms of having life that is extended and be healthy, but yet God equipped your tongue with millions of nerve endings that have the ability to taste the glory 
of a medium rare piece of prime rib. Glory to God. <laughs> with the au jus and with the horseradish. I'm going to speak in tongues. And capping it off with New York style cheesecake drizzled with raspberry sauce and some real whoop cream, as mama used to call it. Not whipping cream, but whoop cream. <laughs> Have I lost y'all or am I, am, I, am I luring you into a sense of hunger? You got some hunger pains going. God made you, he gave you desires, and he made it so that experiencing all of the glorious tastes the beauty of the planet, the, the, the vivid colors that we can see when we look. We don't live in a black and white world. We live in this technicolor drama of brilliant blue skies and bright sunshine and green trees and leaves that are turning in the fall and crisp, wonderful temperatures. This is how heaven will feel right now, I want to tell you. Fall is the best time of the year. Just the smells that are in the air and... All, some of you ladies will refer to it as your pumpkin spice lattes. Glory to God. If that floats your boat, float it, baby. All of the things that we experience, the things that our body has been equipped to experience pleasure in all different kinds of areas, and I'm not going to develop that thought for obvious reasons, but God made us this way, and all of these things are part of God's design. Every desire that you have, every legitimate desire, has a God-given answer and an expression for that desire. That's how good God is. Come on, somebody. He says that when you're tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. Uh, real quick sub-point. Number one, I am not above temptation and sin. Now, some folk think I ought to be as a pastor, and that's part of why I have labored for 31 years to deliver what I call real Christianity to people, because the system is rigged for preachers to fall, because folk put you on a pedestal, and I won't stay on it. I get up regularly and just confess my faults, can tell you that I'm struggling in this area or that area, and some folk don't want a preacher like that. They want somebody that they think is perfect. And when you have an environment like that, people hide secrets. When you have an environment like that that is legalistic and you think that you earned your way to God's favor and you've got to keep earning it for God to stay happy with you, you create a legalistic environment where folk don't let the struggles that they have in the closets or the inner recesses of their heart be known because they feel like they would be rejected if folk actually knew what you thought about. Or folk actually knew what you did last night. Folk actually knew what you struggled with in terms of desires. Craig Rochelle, a hero of mine, says it this way. He said, people would rather follow a leader who is real all the time than one who is right all the time. I believe that. I believe that. The, the attempt or the determination to be real does never excuse sin, especially gross sin. And any preacher that won't let you know that he is not above temptation or sin is not worth listening to. You better run the other direction because he is basically setting himself up in a power, cultish kind of a situation. There is none perfect except Jesus, and it's Him that we've come to declare today. It's Him, the one, He's the one that we're going to keep our eyes on. 
The second sub-point is my situation isn't uncommon. We just read it. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experienced. And this is where I, I glean the line that Satan is deceitful because he will come to you, isolate you, separate you from others and tell you, you better not let them know about this because they will reject you or they will kick you out. You better not, not let them know because your situation is special. You are unique. And what I'm trying to tell you this morning is that you and I, and I'll put it in first person so nobody thinks that I'm hunting for bear in any of your lives, I am not above temptation and sin. And my situation is not uncommon. Everything that I deal with is common to man, is what the King James Version says. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good. Somebody say amen. In the middle of all of this, I am vulnerable, Satan is deceitful, and God is faithful. I'm thankful that God is faithful. There is a job description and, the, and an MO, a modus operandi of the enemy. Satan, the Bible says, has come, he's the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. In Scripture, I could quote every one of them, but I'm not going to take time. But Satan is called the tempter the deceiver, and the accuser of the brethren. There are three stages of progression. He will lure you, then he will deceive you and tell you, you got this, you can keep it under check. And then once he's got you, the spider's web has been woven around you, then he will accuse you and say, see, you're not really a Christian or you wouldn't do that. So he tempts, he lures, he deceives, he lies to. And you know, the thing about deception is that you don't know it, because if you knew it, you wouldn't be deceived. That's one of the most important things I will say this morning. Deception, self-deception, you can't know it, because if you knew it, you wouldn't be deceived. Think about that. And then once you're deceived, he accuses you. And there are people that are sitting in this room this morning that are in that first phase of being drawn and lured into. The hook is hanging right down into your fishbowl, and it's got a tasty morsel on the end of it. Are you going to reach out and grab it? Some of you already bitten into it, and you've got it in your jaw, and some of you have really just wrestled this thing on down and just given yourself completely to it, and now you're being accused by the enemy of your soul, the accuser of your brethren. And let me tell you something, God loves every one of you no less than he ever did right where you are in those progressions. <laughs> Keeping it real, everybody say real God in a real world. We need to be real Christians. We don't need to be churchy. I just want to slap some churchy Christians sometime and go get up out of my face. I want to put on this kind of a churchy. Remember church lady from Saturday Night Live? All right, I, I'm not going to chase that. It just See, I'm telling you, I've got to edit. That just went right across right there. All right, point number two. You get anything out of this? Point number two, the source of temptation, James chapter one. God blesses those who hupomone, those who endure, those who remain under, those who abide under uh, during testing and temptation. And those two are not the same. Testing is one thing, and it has a nature of itself, and temptation is another, very different they're close, but they're not the same. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Verse 13, and remember, everybody say when, 
When you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from, here it comes right here. Look at your neighbor and say, here it comes. Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, here it is, when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Now, there are two camps, legalism on one side, where we just work our little fingers to the bone trying to earn God's favor, and then licenses on the other, which is an aberrant view of grace. Both of them have a misunderstanding of the law of God. License basically says, hey, he died for my sins, past, present, and future. I can do anything I want to. My pastor, my mentor, used to say this, legalism will kill you, but license will kill you quicker. Legalism will kill you. It will rob you of spiritual joy, but license, where you just think you can just do anything and get away with it, and that's not what grace is. We don't just sin more and more so grace may much more abound, Paul says in Romans chapter 6. But we don't walk any longer therein. God, because of his grace, because of his love and his mercy for me, I don't live right in order to earn my favor from him. I do and make good choices because I want to honor him because he's already saved me. It's a done deal. It's a gift from God. 1st subpoint: when and not if. Don't, you, you should never say if you're tempted because everybody in the room is going to be tempted. Everybody say when and not if. Say it. When and not if. Secondly, my second sub-point, it is not a sin to be tempted. Jesus was tempted, folk. There's nothing sinful about being tempted. The world around us is luring us. The, the hook is baited with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The passions and the possessions and the positions. The girls and the gold and the glory. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And I think every one of those are good things if they're in their right expression. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. I think everything on the planet, God put here for a reason. The beautiful red poppies in the field give us opium. Well, I think that when that's used appropriately, it can be a blessing to your life. Any good thing can become a bad thing when you have too much of it. Except for cheesecake. I'm being facetious. Any good thing can become a bad thing when I begin to lean into it and depend on it instead of God. That's just become an idol. So even things that aren't sinful, there is nothing sinful about a cheesecake, but it can be sinful for me because I don't have a whole one in my house because I'll eat the whole thing. Now, not all at one setting. Don't look at me like that. I'm not that big of a glutton. But I tell you what, I can show, tear it up in about two days. Mm. Glory to God. I just... I just, I, my, my taste buds need to be born again, and they haven't happened yet. I don't know. I'm being silly because I'm trying to make a point here. Any good thing can become a bad thing if you have too much of it. Scripture teaches moderation. I'm, it's not a sin to be tempted. I started to go a direction, and I, don't, I know I don't have time because I've got to dedicate two babies. 
Hebrews 4.15. Look at this. Go ahead and put it up for me. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Everybody say, I've got some. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Jesus battled everything you in this room, everyone in this room has battled, and he stood, he endured, he hoopomoned. He discovered the way out. Satan came to him after Jesus fasted 40 days, and the first thing he stuck to him was the promise. He said, you can turn these stones into bread. You're the son of God. If you're the son of God, speak the word. You're hungry. You fasted. Turn these stones into bread. Jesus immediately took the word, quoted the scripture out of Deuteronomy, and he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every time the enemy baited the hook with something that would that would trigger Jesus, and he will always come to you in your weakest moment. Fasting 40 days, you know Jesus was hungry. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus was hungry. So the enemy will, and he tempted Jesus in three areas, body, soul, and spirit. That's a whole different message. It's a series. We find that in Matthew 4 and Mark 1, Luke chapter 4. Matter of fact, the scripture says Jesus was led in the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. In the middle of all this, you need to know yourself. You need to know your weaknesses. Quit denying them. Everybody in the room has some leanings. Everybody in the room has some proclivities. It's so quiet in here, but man, I'm, I, am, I am teaching such a great word today. Let's be real. Everybody in the room is human. You've got breath in your body. And, and instead of hating yourself and despising it, get a real good understanding, just like... A car can be a weapon against somebody, but it can be a great tool to be able to bless a family and take you places. Money is not evil in itself. It's the love of it. Money can be a great tool to advance the kingdom of God, to bless your family. A gun can be something that will provide your family with food. It can protect you from those that would steal, kill, and destroy. Or it can be something that can be self-destructive. All of those things that I mentioned, sex is the same way. It's a great blessing from God. When used in the right expression, and that is within the confines of a biblically defined covenant marriage. We need to know ourselves and we need to lay the axe to the root of the tree. We need to deal with it. Jesus said to the folks on the side of the hill that day, he said, If you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. I remember a young person came to me one time talking to me about typical late teenage struggles and desires and how to deal with that. And he said, well, you know, after all, the scripture says, if you've, if you've looked, at, at, looked at her with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her. And I said, yes, but it's in your heart. Because he was using that scripture to justify and say, well, if I've already sinned in my mind, I might as well go ahead and enjoy the deed with his girlfriend. And I said, no, 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 brother, that's not what it is. That's not how that works. The, 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 the areas where we wrestle in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds are basically safeguards so that we can see where we're headed. What's on our mind is going to come out of our mouth. What you hear yourself say, you need to recognize you have an opportunity in that moment to let it continue or you can let that thing grow till it becomes a deed because every thought that is repeated will become a word. Every word will become a deed. Every deed that you do will become a habit. Every habit will begin to develop a character. Sow your character and you will develop and grow and reap a destiny. You have a choice at every one of those stations along the way. There's not a man in this room that can say he's never had a 
lustful thought. I, 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 I've been walking with God all of my life. I am a man of the word. I'm a man of prayer. But I still have to say, nope, I'm going to change the channel. And I'm going to look the other way. I, I, if that offends you, then you don't like real. It's in that moment where I see where my thoughts are going that I have the opportunity to stop it right there and lay the axe to the root of the tree. There's not a woman in this room that would rather say if she has a choice with a husband that occasionally has a thought or a husband that's actually doing the deed in terms of adultery, she'll take the husband with the thought struggle any day. Come on, ladies, give me an amen. What I think and what I do are two different things. It's between the two that I have a choice. That's where temptation can grab me. My grandfather used to say, Son, you can't help it if a bird flies over your head, but you can keep it from building a nest up in your hair. I thought Granddad was so spiritually sharp and astute, and I found out that he was quoting Martin Luther, the great reformer. You have to lay the axe to the root of the tree. I am vulnerable. Say it with me. I am vulnerable and Satan is deceitful. Say it. But God is faithful. Point number three. Are you getting anything out of this? Steps that I can take. Let me finish. We're going to dedicate two beautiful babies. Steps I can take. James chapter 1 verse 16 through 18. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose. There's not a baby born on the planet that chose to be born. It wasn't your choice. He chose. He chose to give birth to us by giving us His true word. And we, out of all creation, became His prized possession. Well, Pastor, I don't see any steps that I can take in that. I'm going to show you. They're there. They're hidden. The first and the biggest thing that I want you to see is all about identity. It's about who you are. Because listen to me. When I sin, when I'm tempted and my sin is drawn into, let me finish this phrase here. Because we just read it in James. It says, temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. I talked about laying the axe to the root and cutting it off at the thought or cutting it off at the words before you actually do the deed, whatever it is. Okay? This passage I've just read is about identity. It's about who you are. Because when any of us sin, it's, it's literally a momentary memory lapse of who you are. Now, who are you? You are a new creation in Christ. All things are passed away. All things are become new. And in that moment when you sin, you have become the victim of identity theft. Mm, that'll preach. I am a member of LifeLock. And if someone chooses to open a Macy's account or a particular credit card in my name and maybe they've gotten my social security number, I'm immediately notified by LifeLock. A Pottery Barn account has just been opened. Was this you? Yes. So and so just opened an account in your name. Bought a car. Was this you? No. And it stops. 
because I've got some protection. Something that's bigger than me, something that is more well-connected than I am and and myself is looking for me out there. And what I'm trying to show you is God is even greater and bigger than that. He is watching over you. He is protecting you. He is guiding you. He is guarding you so that you do not become a victim of identity theft. And who is the identity thief? It's the enemy of your soul, the one who tempts and deceives and, and, and the one who accuses. He's the one who steals and kills and destroys. He is the cosmic abortionist. He will try to thwart every seed that God plants in you. He will try to steal every true desire, every dream, every vision that God has planted in your heart. It's not just who you are, but it's whose you are. Don't become a victim of identity theft. When I sin, when you sin, it's because I've had a momentary memory lapse in who I am. I have forgotten. Look at your neighbor and say, remember who you are. There's a famous line in Gone with the Wind when the doctor, and they're trying to birth a baby, and I forget the little little skinny maid's name. I don't know nothing about birthing no babies, Miss Scarlet. And Mrs. Mead, the wife of the doctor, said something, and he looks at her and he says, Mrs. Mead, remember yourself. Typically, 19th century Southern language, remember yourself. In other words, don't forget who you are. Put how you're acting in check with who you are and your identity. Every believer in this room, you are blood-bought. You have God's DNA on the inside of you. You've been marked with the mark of Christ. Yes, you have a very real enemy. Yes, you are vulnerable and Satan is deceitful. But God is faithful. Come on, somebody. Three things and I'm finished. Number one, repent. Turn... Change your mind. Change your mind. It's, such, it's, such, it's carrying so much religious baggage. Repentance is the Greek word metanoia. It very simply means change your mind. Get a different idea and different perspective on what you're looking at right here. The fishing pole, the line, the hook, the lure is baited. Am I going to open my mouth and take it? Am I going to get it hooked in my jaw? I don't. I, 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 I may be tempted, I, I, may, I may be lured by my own desire, something that I want. It may be legitimate or an illegitimate desire. But in the moment where I take the bite, I know right then, okay, I'm either going to stay in this and allow sin to grow. And if I allow it to grow, then it gives birth to death. It's going to have a baby. And you're going to have to feed that baby. It's going to produce death in your life. Come on, somebody. It'll produce death in a relationship. It'll produce death... Between you and your children, it'll produce death in your finances. It will, death will touch everything if you allow it to continue to grow. But praise God, we don't have to. We can lay the axe to the root of the tree. We can cut it off right there. We can stop and go, wait a minute. This is not who I am. I'm blood-bought. My identity is in Christ. I used to do that. I used to be that. And everybody in the room has got a different flavor. Some of you have been delivered from from drugs and alcohol, and that's never been an issue for me in my whole life. It's just not even a temptation. You can't lure me with that. I have other lures. Are you following me this morning? Everybody in the room's got a lure. Everybody in the room's got a flavor. Know yourself. Repent. Very simply, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
once you've gotten that right with God, and you know what? That's not when you lost your relationship with the Lord and you got it back when you confessed your sin. First of all, your relationship's not going to change. I am marked with Grady Smith's DNA. It's set by blood. Now, my fellowship at a couple of times in my life wasn't necessarily great with my dad, but the relationship could never be in challenge because you do a DNA test and I've got Grady Smith all over me. Grady and Mary Smith. You know what? You do a spiritual DNA test in me, I am a child of God. I am blood-bought. He, he, he laid down his life for me. Now, I may do something that may break the fellowship, but the relationship's not in challenge here. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together. And, and then when, when you do that, when you get it back right, then you renew. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world. Well, everybody else is doing it. Everybody else is shacking up. No, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And point in number three, and I'm finished. Remember, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Remember. Look at your neighbor and say, remember yourself. I am vulnerable and Satan is deceitful, but God is faithful. I, I told them to be ready at a certain time, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to violate my own commitment because I feel like this is the Lord. It's come back to me three times now. And I realized in sharing this that I'm putting it on the Internet, that people are going to hear this, and I realized that I have the potential of offending someone in this room, and that's not my heart. I've been really, really drunk one time in the last 40 years. And it was about four years ago this month. I was it on the patio? I was listening to some jazz music. And five hours later, I had already drunk a whole bottle of whiskey after Dawn died. And I got sick to my stomach and I threw my head over the courtyard of to my larger backyard and I threw up and I'm throwing up and all this contents of my stomach is coming up and I know that's totally gross but while I'm doing it I'm saying oh God forgive me I know better than this I don't want to let this become a medication for my pain and you know what I, I want to help you this morning some of you are so religious there's a possibility that I could have lost you just because I shared that right there. Oh, I can't believe you're a preacher. How, 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 how could you do that? And I, this is my view of God. His grace is so great. It's not something to be abused or used. But I didn't see God angry at me in that moment. I, I saw him holding a cold rag on my head while I was throwing up. And him saying, I'm in your pain with you. I feel your pain. I had one leaning on me that I could lean against that says, I've known betrayal, I've known loss, I've known hurt. And I made it through all of those without sinning. Now I'm with you, you're going to make it through this. 
Now, maybe that's being too real for some of you this morning, but I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Some of you are in this moment that I'm talking about right now, and you have the possibility of leaning into something else besides God, and that's when it becomes sinful. Whether it's a drug or whether it's alcohol or it's even a person, a co-enablement kind of an attachment, or sex, or any of the gifts of God that he's given to us, all of these things that God has called good. I believe I'm helping somebody in this room this morning. It was in that moment when I said, God, I don't want this. Some of you need to change your view of God. You have a heavenly father who is not angry and ready to bust you because of what you're struggling with right now. He's leaning into you and he's saying, don't give yourself to that because it's empty. Don't let that continue to grow because it will produce death. But if you'll lean into me, I will give you life that is indescribable. Now, I'll probably get some messages this week. I'll get some direct messages on Facebook, on Instagram, maybe a text or two from some of you, maybe an email. God knows my heart. I'm not in any way trying to be offensive. I'm trying to tell the truth. I'm trying to be real. God knows your name and your address and your phone number and your social security number. And he's doing everything to keep you from being a victim of identity theft. Don't forget who he is and who you are. Let's bow our hearts together this morning for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you know, you know. <laughs> Please take these words in my limitation, in my own struggle, and let them be like a seed that will be planted in the heart of someone who feels hopeless. I ask you in the name of Jesus that every person under the sound of my voice, those sitting here in this room, in this live service, and those on the internet right now and sometime in the future, that you would show them, oh God, that you're not an angry father with a belt, but God, you're a loving father with a cold washcloth to stand with us and say, I feel your pain. Now let's get that pain healed so that we don't keep coming back to this. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I acknowledge that I am vulnerable and that I have an enemy who's deceitful, but I also know that God is faithful. And I thank you for that. Thank you for your love this morning. Everyone's heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. If this has touched any area of your life today, and you, hear, you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you in your struggle, your temptation to sin, no, nobody's looking around. Please, honor this. I want everybody to feel free to lift your hand for prayer. We're not going to call you to the front. We're not going to embarrass anybody. But th if this is spoken to anyone in this room, please say, lift your hand. And what you're doing is you're saying, Pastor, pray for me. Yes, yes, I see your hands. There's a dozen of them around this room. Praise God. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for taking these words. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us of how great and how good you are how desperate and how needy I am. And I say, Lord, I need you. 
And I ask you right now, if you would, if you slipped your hand up and everyone else in the room too, let's pray along with those who've slipped their hand up for prayer. And let's make this a confession of faith. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I see it. Your love for me, your grace, your mercy. And I also know that you're a holy God. And you've given us Jesus who, who lived it right. All points tempted yet without sin, I lean into him. Jesus, save me. I trust you. I turn from my past. I turn to you in faith. Renew my mind. Help me to remember who you've made me to be. Be Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise this morning.